Joining me today on Better Than I Found It is former Baylor golfer and 2016 PGA champion Jimmy Walker. Jimmy and I discuss a myriad of topics, but focus mainly on his resilience and his ability to overcome obstacles. At 42, he's just as enthusiastic as he's ever been about playing professionally and is truly excited about his future in the game. Let's get right to that interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than I Found It podcast. Uh, you're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. My guest today is a very special Baylor University alum, and that is Jimmy Walker, uh, PGA Tour player Jimmy Walker. Jimmy, thank you for joining us today. You are welcome. Good to be on, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I have been trying to have Baylor people on this podcast about every fifth or sixth one, and you've been somebody I've kind of pointed to for quite a while that I'd love to have on here. You're obviously, uh, you're the most famous Baylor golf alum in history, and you've done a lot, lot in the game of golf that we want to talk about today. But I just want to say thanks for for being here today. I think this should be a really good episode for for our Baylor fans out there. Um, um, go well, ahead. I appreciate all that. I appreciate yes, all that. Absolutely. Um, so you and I have something in common. We both grew up in Oklahoma. When uh, I think you were you were born in Oklahoma City and lived there until what age? I moved down to Texas when I was 11, okay. uh, the summer, June of 11. So it would have been uh, your dad getting a new job or transfer? Yeah, he did. He did. He got a new job and uh, shifted gears totally and got down here and moved us onto a golf course and bought a golf cart. And that was pretty much it for me i started i'd started playing in oklahoma i've been playing for about two years or so and or maybe yeah about two years and was really into baseball and we got down here and i started playing golf that summer a lot and i mean a lot and he would let me go out in the golf cart and i would just get after it so uh just played a lot a lot a lot and just all the other sports kind of went by the wayside i ended up playing some more baseball with some friends in like a church league but nothing like it was in oklahoma where it was crazy practices and, you know, state championships and stuff like that. So golf just became the central part of my life when we moved to Texas. I like, I like hearing stories when PGA tour players have had their dad be their influence. My dad was the biggest influence in my golf as a kid growing up. I wasn't a PGA tour player, but um, I know your dad had a very significant contribution to not only your interest in the game, but how he, he was a scratch golfer. He was a great player himself. For sure. I've, uh, you know, I watched him shoot. I haven't even done, I haven't done this. I mean, I watched him shoot 60 one day. So he was a very, very good player. And it was just me and him. He was self-taught and he taught me when there was really no talk about, you know, like golf swing theory and why you need to do this and why you need to do that. So I was very just self-taught homegrown from him and we practiced chipping a lot and we practiced putting a lot and we were just best buddies out there. Not to say that we didn't have our, you know, disagreements and stuff while we were out there and everything, but uh, we had some, we had some knockdown drag outs a few times I can remember through the career, but uh, you know, I just remember watching TV and stuff and watching all the guys play golf and like, man, dad shoots those scores damn near every day we play, you know? And I was like, <laughs> if I can never get to where I can beat him, 
you know, I might be onto something here. And uh, it took me till I was 15 years old before I finally beat him. Um, and then once I beat him, I started to, it's like kind of like one of those things, you know, once you know you can do something, you, you tend to be able to repeat it. Um, so sad day for him, proud day for him, awesome day for me when I finally beat him. I was going to say, I, I know it was a, a tough to lose to you that day, but it had to be a great day in his career, his life, just his son had, had finally become a player. Um, so you were playing Texas junior golf. And I mean, I don't know if you, did you play a national schedule at all or just Texas? You know, we just, we didn't really have the, a ton of the means to go do a lot of this national stuff that a lot of these kids were doing. So I, I got in some AJGA stuff uh, around Texas and played well. And I remember we made like a family vacation out of going down and playing at Ennisbrook for the, for the Rolex. And we drove down and the whole family went, it wasn't just me fly in and, you know, one parent, it was, it was kind of a deal. So, um, you know, that's how my junior golf career kind of went and played just mostly local stuff, got recruited by the local schools, nothing really out of state. Um, so, you know, that was it. And the Texas high school golf stuff, uh, played really well through that, you know, made it state every year by myself and, um, which is pretty good, pretty good feat. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to qualify for state as an individual. You usually have to go as with your team, usually. So yeah, I had won regionals every year, I remember. Um, got close one year in district. I finished second and played really bad. And uh, But yeah, I won regionals every year and was able to go to state every year. I think I top 10 every year, too, but never won it. Never won it. Well, um, but that did you did play well enough to get Baylor interested, and Tim Hobby recruited you to come to Baylor. Uh, did you have any other opportunities, or was that – the biggest, I the best. Yeah, I did. I I had offers at A and M in Texas and UTEP and Air Force Academy and UTSA and and a bunch of other schools, um, TLU and. But I I got a great I got a great uh, offer from Coach Hobby and there were some other young good Texas players that, I think on the night of our recruiting trip we all kind of decided hey man if we all come here you know we're gonna have a pretty good four years together and uh, and we really did so that it was a fun recruiting trip. I had a great time. I enjoyed the guys and still do to this day. Um, and we had a, we had a good run there. Yeah. You had a great run. In fact, I was the assistant coach literally for your entire career at Baylor. <laughs> I was at Oklahoma state and, um, your, your last conference championship at Prairie Dunes. I know you remember this, the wind blew really hard that week. I mean, even par would have been an amazing round of golf if you could shoot it. Uh, your teammate worth Williams, Mm -hmm. won the tournament at five over and he won the golf tournament. Well, and a couple other things about that worth actually was in my seventh grade social studies class at Sequoia middle school when I was a high school. Oh, wow. golf coach. Yeah. You probably <laughs> didn't know that, but I didn't I've know known worth since he was in the seventh grade, but you guys won the conference championship that day. The, uh, I think only the third one Baylor had ever won. And I'm going to ask for your memory of that day, but I'm going to tell you mine because all I remember was a very unhappy Mike Holder in the van all the way back to Stillwater. So you made my day miserable. Well, Talk about your day. You didn't have a longer drive as we did. Actually, we flew. We were we got to fly, but it was it was really cool. I remember you know Worth played so well, and you know I would he just um, just out of nowhere. I mean, he won five A state his senior year, and then decides to go on and win the big 12 conference championship his last year. And, you know, he was the key for us 
uh, winning that week. I played okay. We had uh, Brandon played pretty good and then worth wins. So, you know, he was the key for us, you know, having a chance to win that golf tournament. Um, we always just kind of needed one more guy stepping up and playing a little better. And, uh, and that was it. That was the, that's what got it done for us. I remember going out and, and I was, and watching the last couple holes and it was, it was pretty surreal. I was like, Holy crap, we're going to beat Oklahoma state. We're going to beat everybody this week. This is yeah. pretty wicked on a great golf course too. Oh, that's still one of my favorite golf courses in the world. The green complexes are amazing. When the wind blows more than 20, you, you've got a fight on your hands. It's a fight. You really do. You really do. You know, it's, it's very gettable when it's not windy, but I don't think that's the case in uh, middle of nowhere, Kansas. No, not in April. In April, it's going to blow. So we, we're we not playing the conference championship there this year. We're at Whispering Pines down in uh, – Another great golf course. Fantastic golf course. Really good. So and Have you Southern played it Hills since they've the, redone it? Say it again? Have you played it since they've redone it? I have not, but Chet Williams, who did the work, has told me about it. He's real excited. So it must it's, be really it's good. It's really good. That's great. Well, we're looking forward to going down there. But so, You said something about Southern Hills? That's the third uh, third course in our rotation now for the Big oh, Twelve okay. Championship. So, you, those are three pretty great places to play a conference championship. Uh, but you, so you have that great memory from '01. Mine is not as good, but that's okay. Um, so that year, you were a third team All American. You finished your career with 19 top five finishes. Still, no Baylor player's ever done that, and you had three wins. So you turned pro kind of immediately after college. And uh, I think you played, and I remember seeing you at the uh, U.S. Open at Southern Hills in 2001. Yeah, I had, uh, I qualified. I got through a two-spotter up in Dallas, and that was it. And I decided I was going to turn pro there at the U.S. Open. And phenomenal week, you know, being in Tulsa. I'm from Oklahoma, and so I had a lot of family out there. and Made lifelong business uh, partnerships that week is just, you know, it was the, per it was a huge stepping stone for, you know, jumping into professional golf. I, uh, my coach came up there, you know, I started working with Brian Gath right into my junior year. So he was really starting to help me fine tune my golf game. And I felt like my senior year at Baylor, I really started to learn how to really play golf uh, at a higher level than I had been playing. And, we get to Southern Hills and I've never really put on greens that fast or that had that much, you know, slope. Maybe they didn't have that much slope, but I remember 18 had, it was a big deal that year because you couldn't keep a ball on the green. Nine was kind of the same way, but I remember going out and shooting 79 the first round and it's pretty bummed and came back, shot uh, bogey free 66 on Friday and just still to this day, you know, one of the greatest rounds of golf I've ever played. Uh, Absolutely amazing. It was, we, we got that rainstorm that kind of softened the golf course up a little bit and I was bombing it everywhere, bombing it over the corners and just really played solid and I had a decent weekend. And it was a great start to, uh, to, you know, jumping into pro golf, you know, at the U S open pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. Great spot in Oklahoma. You got to do it in front of friends and family. That's, that's wonderful. So, so now we're going to go through, I'm trying to get people to where you are today, but through sort of a chronological look at it. So you played some mini tour golf and eventually got on to the corn Ferry tour. Uh, talk about that little stretch where you, you weren't playing glamorous golf. I mean, you're playing at a lot of uh, mini tour events. For sure. It's uh, it was pack the car up and rock and roll and you would uh, find stuff to play in a lot of pay, you know, pay to play events. Uh, the, 
oh gosh, it was the tight lies and the, um, played some gateway stuff out in Arizona, won one of those, won a tight lies, won um, some local stuff and just, you were always just trying to play and doing a bunch of Monday qualifiers for the corn ferry. And I missed at Q school and then started doing the Monday qualifying again and played really well and earned some status out there. Missed at Q school. Then my numbers started getting called up and, um, played the whole year in Oh four as a full member and won the player of the year and won the money list. And then that, you know, jumped me into the big leagues, but, you know, in the beginning, it's it's hard work. You, you've really got to plan what's going on, and it's pretty lonely out on the road, especially when you're driving your car. I remember they had it set up a lot better back then where you could you could drive it. Uh, today, they're, you know, they, it's kind of all over the place, I feel, for the guys that are, that are playing there, but at least they've got a place to play. But, I mean, I, I remember taking off in Texas, and I made it all the way up to – Niagara Falls and then I made it all the way to Oregon and then I made it down to Southern California and then finally back to Texas. I mean, it was an insane, you know, one of those years, it was insane. Just the amount of road tripping we did. It was crazy. Well, but that, that 2004 was not just a great year golf wise. I think you met your wife, Erin that year, didn't you? I, I did. Um, pretty wild. And here we are today and remodeling a house and two kids and three dogs later and <laughs> what kind of what kind <laughs> of a bunch of horses <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have i've got two vishlas right now we just lost our 16 and a half year old toy fox terrier about a okay. month ago okay. um, so that was a, that was a real bummer you know she'd been with us our whole life and uh already looking at maybe getting another small dog it's kind of fun to have a small dog but we love our big vishlas they're they're beautiful and fun and super smart and yeah, my wife is a dog person. She loves it, and she's always talked about Vishlas. Uh, we've been a lab family, but we'll maybe get into a Vishla one day. Who knows? Uh, so I, I can't recommend them enough. Okay, perfect. Well, the next because of that Player of the Year, now you have PJ Tour status the next year in two thousand five. Now I know something pretty unnerving happened that year—a a neck injury. Can you talk about that and how long it took you to get back? Yes, you know, I'm here. I am. I'm at the Sony open and I, uh, I'm out hitting golf balls and all of a sudden it feels like somebody just jammed a knife in the back of my neck. And I mean, I couldn't move. It hurt really bad. I mean, I was just basically like paralyzed in my neck. I mean, I couldn't move it. I didn't know what had happened. And we go down and get an MRI of my neck and I've got a disc bulge and they're like, you know, your, your body's protecting against it. It doesn't look like it's hitting a nerve. You don't have any nerve pain or anything like that, but, uh, I mean, I was locked up bad and I started to feel like Wednesday late afternoon that I could hit and I went out and tried to hit and I got to six iron and it, and it went bad again and withdrew and flew home. It was pretty bad. Took a couple of weeks for it to feel back to normal. And then going through therapy and stuff, I never thought that really helped the stuff that I was doing. And well, I just fought it for a while and I just never could get back on top of it. I couldn't really, it was having a hard time practicing. It was just enough where I could, you know, maybe play and it's not really how you want to do it out there. Uh, so fought that all year. I ended up taking a major medical, went back in 06 and didn't play very good. Um, 
So I had to go back to Corn Ferry in 07. I got my card back there, won a tournament, finished like 25th on the money list. And um, 08, still struggling with the neck, missed my card, got it back at Q School. And then it was 2009 when I finally got a hold of somebody that really knew what he was doing. And he was running around on tour and, you know, basically to keep my neck in check, he just, there's a lot of deep tissue therapy on my neck and my, really my back and into my arms, keeping those muscles nice and calm and relaxed. And that's what takes the pressure off my neck. And, uh, cause obviously I was doing something to aggravate this disc bulge in my neck. And since we've gotten a hold of that and I have this, this routines of, um, you know, body breakdowns. Like I haven't had a problem with it. It's been pretty amazing. And that, that's what helped me the most being able to get back to where I felt like I could really grind and practice and work hard where I just really couldn't. Cause I was so afraid of, you know, this neck that just kept, it just kept happening. It was brutal. So that was a three to four year process getting it right. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, when you finally broke out and started playing some amazing golf on the PGA Tour, I think a lot of people thought, well, this guy's just jumped onto the scene, but you had been playing pro golf for a long time at that point. Um, Go through a few uh, things. You were building momentum from that 2010 all the way through 2013, getting a little bit better every year. But in 2014, you won three tournaments. You won AT&T, the Sony, and the Fries.com. I think that awakened the golf world to who Jimmy Walker was. And uh, so talk about a little bit about that, because now all of a sudden you're a Ryder Cupper. Now all of a sudden you've kind of gotten into a different, in a different category, if you will. Yeah. You know, I started, I, I felt just kind of stuck with some golf stuff and I was like, uh, I had a buddy go, well, who would you go see if you could go see somebody? And I said, well, I'd love to go see Butch Harmon. And uh, I got in with him and he liked me and, we started working together and I had my best year ever and uh, 13 and I was just like, man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. And he goes, yeah, it was great, but you didn't win. It's like, you got to start winning. It's time to win Jimmy. And he's like, you got all the tools. It's like, you just got to believe it. So that fries event, the first year of the 13, 14 season, um, I got into position and uh, played some really great golf on the weekend and got it done. And I got my first win. And, uh, pretty surreal I it's it, like it it was like a damn whirlwind it seems like a dream how it happened still to this day um the re- the every other one doesn't feel like that but it's it's such an interesting feeling it's like an out-of-body experience that first that first win it was pretty wild and then god it's like once you know you can do something like we were talking earlier you know you can do it again you just got to know you can do it and you know one end up winning like three out of eight I won three out of eight starts out of the first eight starts that year. And it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. And when it's happening, you're like, well, that, it feels kind of, that feels normal and easy. Like, how come you don't do this more often? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not easy. And it's, uh, but God, it's really makes you appreciate it. You know, now we've just with some of the struggles and stuff, but you just, it's such an amazing feeling when you're out there playing against the best in the world and, you know, making it look pretty easy. And, uh, it sure was fun. Butch is a great injection of confidence for me and, well, uh, lifelong buddy and friend now. And we did some really cool stuff together and got a, you know, got a major with him in 16 and 
bunch of wins in 15, got a win at my home tournament in San Antonio for the Valero. I mean, just some really cool stuff happened and got to play in the Ryder Cup in 14 and, you know, just had a killer singles match with Lee Westwood. And I mean, so many cool things happened. It was was phenomenal. So when you won that first tournament, were you aged, you aged 35, correct? Mm. I think that would have been about right. Sounds about right. Okay. That's what I'm saying. The young, the young players that are just turning pro and going out there and thinking, uh, you know, I've played for two years and I haven't made it. You know, I haven't won it. Guys, it sometimes could take longer. And in your case, you had an injury that kind of, you know, kind of even extended it out a little further because you weren't able to work at your game. But that's a long time. You played 13 years basically before you won, almost 13 years. And once you won, you realized you could do it, and then you did it quite often. Let's talk about that PGA because I remember watching that and watching when Jason Day made that eagle right ahead of you, and I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy, get this thing to the clubhouse. <laughs> we don't, yeah. Talk about Things that. Things we didn't need to holes. happen. Yeah, so I, had, I was playing okay in 16, and I had, um, I had a really good week the week before in uh, Toronto. Felt like I'd really gotten into some good stuff, especially finishing the golf tournament. Rolled into the PGA, still felt it, it all felt really good. The putter felt really good. And I remember the first round just going out and I just started making putts. I was hitting quality golf shots and the putts were going in and they just kept going in all week. And I was hitting it well. And I just remember having this incredible sense. And I know we're at a major championship, but I had this incredible feeling of I didn't think I could make a bogey because everything felt really good i knew i was driving it good and if i hit it in the rough the rough wasn't that bad and i'm a really good i'm really good out of the rough i mean you have to be when you are a 55 percent fairway shooter that your entire career you know so <laughs> that was a funny like i told when ricky and i played in the Ryder cup we teed off that first day at glen eagles and i and we were playing alternate shot and i said dude hit driver and smash it everywhere it's like you cannot put me in a place that i can't hit a good shot from and, you know, I, I, he tells me today that that really broke the ice and, you know, calmed him down. But I just had that feeling at Baltus Raw where I just felt like I wasn't going to make a bogey. And I knew I could get it on the green from wherever I hit it. And uh, I think I made four bogeys for the week or something like that. So at a major, that's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, had a, had a good – that last day, you know, we played 36 holes – um, I took a nap in between the rounds in my bus and I, I can't believe we got it in with the weather that was around us and everything. And guys were, I think maybe guys were a bit tired and nobody was really making a run. And Jason day was kind of hanging in there. And I was just kind of hanging in there. I'd made nine straight pars in a row. And then I hold a bunker shot on 10 and, uh, had a beautiful wide slight upslope. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. And I make that. And then I make like a, 30 footer with two breaks in it the next hole. And I'm, and now I'm going like, Oh man, this, I think this is my day. Like, I think this is going to happen. So I, we play around to, um, 15 and I'm at, I'm not in the fairway and Jason day makes like a big par putt, like a 10 or 12 foot or something. I remember him looking back at me and kind of staring me down. And I, I, I'm like, yeah, I can see you. I'm, I know what's going on. <laughs> I know where, I know where I'm at. And um, part of that whole par 16, 17, he, uh, I know I watch him not make birdie and I've got a two shot lead and I, my, me and my caddy are going, 
if we birdie this hole, like it's over, like we win the golf tournament, you know, that's, that's how we felt. And I flipped a little wedge in there and made a little left to right breaker. And, you know, that for me was like that moment of, man, I just won this golf tournament. That's how I felt. And then he goes and does what he did. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, now it's sorry. I can't know if I can say shit, but that's how emotional it was. But I'm like, Hey, here we go. You know, he's gonna, this, he's making it harder. I and mean, sometimes it's really hard to make a par. Um, you know, I did what I needed to do. I laid up off the tee and I got down there and I had like 272 to the front. And all I'm thinking is like, man, the closer I get to the hole, the easier this is going to get, you know? And, uh, I know, I know. Yeah. It's proper thinking. I mean, it's just the numbers, the numbers say do that. And especially with, you know, you know, if I laid up, there's more rough, there's a lake. I'm like, I'll just blow it over everything. You know, we had ball in hand. I had a good lie and, uh, I blasted, I didn't hit a good shot and I hit it over about the worst place I could hit it. Then from there, I just said, you know, par is going to be a good score. Don't do anything stupid and um, just get the ball out on the green. So I played a real conservative flop shot over the, over the bunker. And, you know, if it was Friday, you know, I'd have hit it to 10 feet and not 30. And so now you roll it down there about three feet past the hole. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't win it on the last hole. Now you got to do it again, right? Here. <laughs> and I, and I hadn't hit, I hadn't missed a putt like that. And, I mean, I was putting so good and I was hitting, I mean, everything was going right in the middle and, um, it was nerve. It was, I was nervous, but not like crazy nervous. And yes, I was still very calm and chill. And I always remember this tip that hobby gave me, especially in cold weather when you're, when you can't really start to feel your hands and it gets, you know, and you're putting and you feel like you're kind of losing your touch. And he's like, just turn the putter upside down and make a bunch of strokes you know, with the grip handle down and holding the putter head and you flip it back around and all of a sudden you've got your, you can feel that head moving, you can feel everything. And I can remember, you know, feeling like I was, you know, that was a tense moment. So I flipped that sucker upside down and I made a couple of practice strokes and then I'll get it back in my hands. I was like, it's like, there it is. It's, it feels really good. And I, uh, you know, I got to watch the putt roll by and I knew what it was going to do. And it was, uh, but 36 holes of bumpy, bumpy greens you know it can do anything and I, I poured it right in the middle uh just absolutely phenomenal you know wife and kids run out and my trainer's there and friends are there and it's just my sports psychologist was there butch was up in the booth calling the shot for sky and it's just it was incredible absolutely incredible yeah and the one thing about it a major that's not just another golf tournament so that's like a career maker right there so you're always going to be known as a pga champion no that that won't ever change that's pretty amazing for sure for sure you know it's something i can do the rest of my life i get to go back and play it every year and you know be a part of that group and it's very special that's great i uh, i'm a good friend of bob tways and bob had that same sort of feeling when he won in 86 and um you know, it's just like they never introduce you as just Bob Tway anymore or, or Jimmy Walker. Yeah. You're also a PGA champion, which is great. Um, so the next year, another bit of adversity hit your life for you and Aaron, actually, uh, with Lyme's disease. Describe that, how it happened and kind of what effect it had on on your life and your golf life. Well, I don't really know how it happened. I, You know, they say that you're supposed to only be able to get it from a tick. and But I never saw a tick. I just know that... Um, I know when I really started to feel bad, I went down and played the world cup with Ricky in Australia 
And I got down there and all of a sudden I felt like I had the worst flu I'd ever had, but I didn't have any like respiratory stuff. No, nothing in the nose or just, I mean, I felt horrible and played that whole week and got home, felt better. And then it was like every other week I had this feeling for about four months and I just knew something wasn't right. I was going to see allergists. I was, uh, you know, I had blood work done on some other stuff and it was my uh, sports psychologist, Julie, who'd had Lyme. She's like, I think you may have Lyme disease. And I was like, Julie, I've never seen a tick. I don't know. I, I doubt that. And um, we ran a bunch of panels and, and I did have it. Uh, I did have it. I actually, I actually showed that I had had mono. I was, it said I had mono. It said I had, I was positive for mono, West Nile virus, um, a bunch of other stuff like all at the same time. And I guess that they say that that, that Lyme can trigger stuff that you've had in your past. And, and it, you know, shows that you're, you know, currently having a reaction to it. So I didn't know I'd had all that stuff in the past pretty wild, but uh, so it was like, I finally felt like I had a diagnosis and uh, man, I mean, I couldn't get, it was hard to get off the couch. Uh, I wasn't sleepy. I just had no energy and just had the worst body aches. And it was absolutely horrible. It's, it's such a hard feeling to describe. It's like, you know, it's like your battery is at 5%, like all the time. And um, I was able to play through it for a while, but the practice was not there. And, you know, before you know it, um, you know, just start to get sloppy again and, you know, sloppy mentally too, the way it hits you physically, it hits you mentally too. Uh, memory, what isn't as good. I'm very forgetful. Uh, I think it's getting better, you know, things that you were working on, it's hard to remember the next day. So, you know, you're writing stuff down and you'd go boil a pot of water to, you know, make some pasta for your kids and you go get in your car and drive away from the house to go run an errand, you know, it's just, stuff like that. And so physically today, I feel like I'm a hundred percent back. Yeah. I think still suffering from a little bit of the uh, mental stuff that, you know, it affects, it affects every part of your body, it affects your brain. And uh, so hopefully those pathways and stuff are, you know, getting back to uh, getting back to normal. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are on the way back. That's, that's good to hear. Um, so just from what we've talked about in the last 30 minutes, you've had relatively speaking quite a bit of adversity as a professional golfer in your, in your career. Now I know some people have had more and others have had less, but you've had quite a bit. Why are you so resilient and what, what gives you the ability to come back as the way you have? Because I think you're playing really well right now. I think your game is really on the way it's, back. It's really shown good. I started working with Cameron McCormick um, middle of last year, and I've, I've really enjoyed working with him. I've, I've never worked with a coach that works as hard as he does, and he's very, very demanding, which I really enjoy and holds me accountable to a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, why am I so resilient? I don't know. I've always had that kind of, you know, something bad happens and you're able to just kind of flush it down the toilet and start anew the next day. And, um, you know, the first time around, it was, uh, I'm not going to say it was easy, but you're young and resilient and, you know, but now wife and kids and responsibilities and life weighs on you a lot more at, at this age. And, you know, it, it took some just kind of 
stepping back and going like, you know what? I could, I could retire. Like I could quit. And, um, and we'd be just fine, you know? So that, that to me, once I finally wrap my head around that, like, wow, we could, uh, you don't have to do this if it's that hard anymore, you know, it's cause it's, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a hard game. And when it's not going well and the amount of time you feel like you're putting in and you're not getting any results, it's, it's tough. And, um, you know, most, you know, 98% of professional athletes are done at 42. You know, they're, they've quit, they're done. They can't, their body can't take it anymore. Um, so once I wrap my head around that and that all started to feel better, it just feels like a little bit of weights lifted off of you. And, you know, I've got, this is my last year of a full status on the PGA tour. Um, and I want to make the best of it. I mean, I, I want to write this story, you know, I want to write the end of this story the way I think it needs to be written. And so I've got to go out and do it, but I still think I've got really incredible golf left in me. Um, I still do a lot of things really well. I still have all the length you need to compete and play on tour. Um, parts of my game that had struggled that were so key to me playing well are, are back, I think. And, um, it's pretty exciting. So, uh, in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, I was third in birdies for the week and uh, just kind of clean up a few of the little things. But that's what I haven't had is the firepower. I haven't been making the birdies and it's nice to do that again. Well, that was one of my next question actually was, you know, you're only 42. I mean, you do have years left as long as you stay relatively healthy. So how is the enthusiasm? I mean, because I've always figured that was like a 15th club in the bag. If you're excited and love what you're doing, you're going to be better at it. I mean, do you, do you have a, a high level of enthusiasm right now? Yeah, I'd say it's probably a seven and a half, eight out of 10, something like that. Uh, I put my hardest work in out on, on the road at home. You know, there's obviously there's uh, things to do and um, you know, it's just life, life is in the way. And uh so when I get out on the road, it's, I, I mean, I put in crazy long days and really work hard and not that I don't at home, but it's just not, it's not as much on the, at home anymore, honestly. And, um, so I like going and watching the kids do their fencing and helping with homework. And, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff to do. Um, especially with remodeling a house and, and but my wife's taken most of that burden and it's done a great job, but. I still want it really bad. And I do feel like I am putting in the work to be, uh, to be great. So my enthusiasm is, is there. And, uh, you know, I'm heading out right after we get done talking today to get back after. I love it. Where, where are you playing? I know you're going to play a, a good stretch here of golf. Where are you playing? So next week we play Cancun. Um, and then we come back and play Houston. And then we play Sea Island, and that's the last event of the year. And then we'll kick it back off at uh, you know place I really enjoy going to is Sony, and we'll be playing a lot of golf uh, starting January. Hunting season's right here, right now, so uh, that's that's big on my mind too right now. And you know, I, I wish the tour would, I wish we'd get back to having a bigger break in the fall. I think everybody needs, even the kids today you know, the younger guys, they feel it at the end of the year and it's tough. Golf's hard. And they, the PGA tour wants you playing every week, you know, they'd have a dang tournament every week if they could, it sure seems like, and 
there's a big push, I think, to get back to, you know, having a two and a half month break, almost three month break off. And um, I think it'd be great too for, you know, there's a lot of sports going on. Baseball's big, football's big. And, you know, if we could, let's, I think it'd be great to build some want back into watching golf, like starve the, starve them for two or three months. And, you know, people will be really ready to watch golf again, uh, I would think. So, and I think everybody's bodies need it. You know, there's really no time to, it's hard to work on a golf swing. It's hard to change things while you, you have to play 24, seven, 365. It's, it's pretty tough. So um, I think they might have a better product if they get back to it. Yeah, I, I remember uh, young. My favorite player was Jack Nicholas, and I remember once he played at Disney. That was November first. He didn't come out again until January fifteenth. He had two and a half months. Yeah. He'd he'd take a golf lesson somewhere in there from Jack Grout, and but he'd be so refreshed and ready for the new year. And I I think sometimes we all think in life that more is always better, and it isn't always better. You know, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah less is more a lot. I agree. And I think that what you said about Cameron McCormick is, is pretty cool. You love somebody who's demanding of you. And I think our, our college players and people that are listening to this podcast need to understand that you better hope somebody is demanding a lot out of you. If you want to be the best you can be. For sure. I mean, he sent me this big long um, note that he wrote on his phone, you know, notes, the note app and, and it was long, like for the, and it was just about the first two tournaments of the year this year. And it was really long. And they threw in these little questions in there just to make sure. And he wanted answers and he did it. I swear. I was like, you threw those in there just to make sure I read this whole damn thing. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and he just, you know, threw a little smile at me and, um, but yeah, he's, he's good and sneaky. That's great. Well, maybe, uh, maybe a lot of the young college players that are listening to this will realize that's a great thing when your coach is expecting a lot out of you. It's a great thing. So for sure. Uh, and go ahead. No, you know, it's, it's, um, being held accountable is it's, it's huge. And, you know, like your players may think that they don't have a job. They're just there to play golf. Well, that is their job. You know, the school is paying you big money to represent them and represent them well. And, you know, that is your job and you have to take it seriously. Like it's your job that, uh, yeah, you're there to have a good time. And, but nobody says you're supposed to have a good time in college. You're there to, you're paying to be there and you're paying to get an education. So, you know, that is a job too. And you are, uh, you know, you're expected to perform for your school, especially, you know, with the athletics and stuff. Um, so I think that's, you know, something that kids need to really take to heart when they step out on the golf course every day and hit the gym in the morning and, or in the evening. And, you know, they're there to, they've got a job to do and they're getting paid to do it. I agree. Couldn't agree with you more. Hey, I w one other thing about you that I, that I know that maybe the casual golf fan doesn't know is your uh, kind of love for astrophotography and astronomy in general. T tell me how that came about because that's not the normal golfer, you know, that's not a normal golfer no. thing. I just, I've got that personality where if I, if I get into something, I've got to do it a hundred percent and I've got to be good at it. And that's no different. I mean, this is no different than anything else, the astronomy stuff. And, um, it just started with a telescope in the backyard and hooked a camera up to it. And I was, you know, searching the internet 
forums and watching all these, looking at all these pictures that these amateur guys were putting out. And I was just blown away. I was like, I didn't know you could do that. I said, I wonder if I could do that. And sure enough, here we are. I was doing it and, um, you know, got to be really good at it. I mean, I think, I've, I think, you know, one of the better, better, uh, you know, uh, astrophotographers in the, in the whole world. So I've gotten lots of astronomy pictures today from NASA and, just put a lot of heart and time into it. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of self-taught stuff and learning how to use the software and putting stuff up and putting it together. And, and it just kind of gets your brain, keeps your brain working too. I haven't, I haven't been doing it a ton as of late, just with all the stuff going on. I'm sitting on a lot of pictures to do. I've got a lot of pictures I could do. Um, I think I'll take the laptop with me on this trip and try to bust some out while I'm sitting in the hotel room, but it just got me away from sitting there just, you know, watch the sports center and just killing time. Like I felt like I was actually still being productive and learning something. And I keep threatening to get like a roll up piano keyboard and for my room and trying to learn how to play the piano or something. Like I need, <laughs> I need something to do next, you know, I'm sitting in the hotel room, like um, Netflix and all that, like, Holy crap, I got to do something else. Well, uh, hopefully what you've got to do is resurrect a uh, top, five golfer in the world career, which you feel like you've got something in there. So let's, let's get that going. What about that? That, that would be awesome. I'm definitely putting in that work on the out there and getting after it. So that's the goal. That is the goal. I mean, I'm not setting any really goals. I mean, if you don't, if you know, it's funny, you know, you see what Justin Thomas does and writes all that stuff down. Like if you're out there playing and you don't want to do that stuff, then I think you need to, I don't necessarily think you need to write those down. I think the camera and I talked about this the other day, you know, my goal should be to do the things daily to get me into that position where I can perform to have a chance to reach those goals that everybody out here should have, you know, win tournaments, win majors, play on Ryder cups, you know, multiple wins, um, you know, win two weeks in a row. That kind of, that's one that I would love to be able to do is win two weeks in a row. I've, you know, had multiple win years and, um, I've defended and won a major and, but I would love to, that would be the next bucket list is when, you know, it'd be fun to win two weeks in a row. Cause I think that really shows that your game is on and travels. Well, close I ever got was first and a seventh, I think at Tory. So I got to do better than that. You got it. You got it. Well, I want to say thanks so much, Jimmy, for, for coming on the podcast today. Uh, my Baylor, Sports fans and Baylor golf fans in particular will really be thrilled to hear from you and, and to know that you're doing well and progressing and and uh, they can look for some great things from you on tour. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and thanks for taking me down memory lane. It was, it, was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that was good. Well, I appreciate it and play well, Jimmy. We'll see you. Thanks, Mike. You guys too.